0: If he hadn't said that, what would have happened? Better off not knowing, I guess. That's so funny. (laughs) He's going to stand up behind me with like one of those little signs that say, amen, praise the Lord, applause. (laughs) I want to go back to what just happened. And I want to explain what that was. That was getting the flesh out of the way. When you feel that there is a wall, and you can't necessarily define what that wall is, that wall is defined as flesh. And when you don't feel the presence of God like you normally have or like you know you should, there is flesh in the way. And the way that we took care of the flesh was by pushing. And I don't know of any other way to take care of flesh but by pushing through and removing it Notice I said removing it, and I didn't say pushing it to the side. Because when you push flesh to the side, it has a way of coming back. And it's interesting because the title of my sermon tonight is Undealt With Flesh. I've only been here for close to two months now. And I am so, so thrilled to see the direction that this church is headed. And as I was standing right over there, I felt God speak to me that Antioch is on the precipice of revival, but there is flesh that is undealt with. So we can get excited, we can rejoice, we can run, we can clap, we can jump, we can sing. But until the flesh is dealt with, there will be no revival. If we could just pray for one moment. I feel the presence of God so strong in this place. God, I pray right now that you would reveal the things in our lives. That you would bring to light the flesh that needs to be cut out. The flesh that needs to be burnt away. The things that need to be removed in order for your spirit to be made manifest in our life. You have blessings. You have promises that you've given to this church and to these people. But God, there is flesh that needs to be removed. And right now, God, I rebuke the flesh. I rebuke the devourer in Jesus' name. I pray conviction right now. I pray revelation right now of the undealt with flesh. That you would show us what needs to be cut out. What needs to be removed. In Jesus name God. We desire to be close to you. We desire to know you intimately. We desire to have a relationship with you. In Jesus. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Romans 8.1? Thank you, Brother Wright. If you're watching, Pastor Wright, I'm sorry, I call him Brother Wright, and I call Sister Angie Sister Wright, and that's the way I do it. And if you don't do it that way, it's okay, but that's the way I do it. So, Brother and Sister Wright and the other Brother and Sister Wright, thank you so much for this opportunity to preach, and you're not here, so I don't know if it's less pressure or more pressure. I don't really know. But you know what? God's going to move, and I'm excited about that. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You may be seated. I remember being probably like eight or nine. And um, at that age, I had done something that at the time, it had seemed so unforgivable and horrible. And you know, when you're that young, you can do the very smallest of things, and you feel like you've just... Done the worst thing. Can you guys remember a time you're young and you might have messed up a little bit, but as a young kid, it's just like the biggest deal. In my innocence and my naiveness, I was afraid to talk to my parents about what had happened. I was scared of what they would say and how they might react. Maybe they would yell at me or maybe they wouldn't love me anymore. I thought that as a kid. One night I wasn't able to sleep and I laid my head on my pillow and I was just crying. Finally, I mustered up the courage and I went into my parents' bedroom. I woke my mom up and I told her everything that was bothering me. I remember thinking I would probably get in so much trouble, but more than that, I felt so guilty. I'll never forget my mom looking at me and telling me, Martin. You can come to me with anything. I will always listen to you, and I will always help you. And after that, my mom and I have had the best relationship of open communication, where anything that would happen when I was young, I would just come to her immediately and tell her. But many, many years later, we find a young adult on the floor of a choir practice room, right before a live recording for his school choir. And with tears streaming down my face, I kept repeating the only words that could come to my mind. For there is therefore now no condemnation. For there is therefore now no condemnation. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. And he gave me peace like I had never experienced. He said, all have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. There is no exception. There is no exclusion. All have sinned, but it's what we do afterwards that makes the difference, right? So very often we can find ourselves in a cycle of holding on to things of our past and allowing them to define who we are. The sins of our past, although forgiven, they begin to resurface in our minds and we find it so challenging to move forward into what God is calling us to do. Can I get an amen to that? Because I know there was a time stuff would resurface in my mind and it was that very time things were playing in my head and I began to doubt the calling. I began to doubt where God was bringing me, but it took that scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation. Condemnation is a powerful vice that can cause an individual to stop all forward motion and fall into a mediocre or non existent walk with God. Condemnation works as a glass wall that separates an individual from the promises of God. The promises, they still exist, they're right there, but you've already sentenced yourself to death by guilt. But I'm here to tell somebody let go of the guilt come out of condemnation you have been covered by the blood you have been washed clean and you are a new creature therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature old things have passed away behold all things have become new all things have become new we've been washed clean we've been covered and we are a new creation amen When you have repented of your sins, been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, you are literally given a new name. Romans says that we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We put on a new identity. We're no longer defined by the mistakes of our past. Our past is washed under the blood. When the prostitute woman was drug out of her home and thrown into the streets to be stoned, the Lord stopped by her, knelt down, and forgave her. He then looked at her and he said, where are your accusers now? Stop condemning yourself and recognize the Lord has forgiven you. If there's somebody in this place and you're struggling with condemnation, you're struggling with the past, you're struggling with the things rising up and playing in your head. Let me tell you right now, put those thoughts away. Come out of condemnation. Recognize God has covered you with the blood. For there is therefore now no condemnation. To those who walk in Christ Jesus, who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This verse is encouraging. But it's only encouraging to a certain demographic. We've just spent some time being reminded Of the fact that the blood has covered a multitude of sins. And we can rejoice in the knowledge that our past mistakes and self-induced failures have no grip or control on our future. But the scripture says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And those who walk according to the spirit. Not after the flesh. So we have two things. We must be in Christ, and we must walk according to the Spirit. When you are initially filled with the Holy Ghost, you are then in Christ. But how do we remain constantly full of the Spirit? After the initial filling, you must remain full. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. Luke 9.23 says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 1 Corinthians 15.31 says, I die daily. There's a pattern. It's every single day. So you ask yourself, how do I remain full of the Spirit after the initial filling? How do I remain in Christ Jesus? How do I get away from condemnation? There is a daily process. Far too often, we fall into a pattern of lackadaisical living. We can rely on head knowledge, and previous patterns to dictate our current walk with God. But this fraudulent Christian lifestyle is not sustainable, and all of a sudden, we're no longer in Christ. I was on the phone with a friend of mine the other day, and he was talking about our experience at Bible college. And he said, Martin, for four years, I went to classes I learned theology. I learned doctrine. I learned how to have a relationship with Christ. And I walked away with head knowledge, but I had no heart experience. He said, I could quote scripture. I could talk to a Trinitarian and tell them all about oneness. I could speak to a Muslim and let them know how to find truth. But I had no relationship with God. And it was the revelation of the fact that head knowledge gets you only so far That drew him to an altar and made him realize he would never amount to anything in the kingdom if he only relied on reading his devotion every single day and never one time got in the presence of God and found himself in the Spirit. And it was in that moment that I fell to my face in the prayer room and I said, God, I no longer wish to only have head knowledge. I no longer wish to only know the word just by this. I wish to know the word by this because of how I live, because of my daily sacrifice, because of my daily devotion, because I consistently will pray, because I will consistently get in the spirit. First Thessalonians says, I pray without ceasing. What does that mean? It means we literally walk in prayer. We literally talk in prayer. Every word that we speak gives glory to God. Everything that we do gives glory to God. Everything that we watch gives glory to God. Everything that we listen to gives glory to God. And so very often we can find ourselves justifying the things that are unclean. Justifying the things that pull us away from relationship. And all we're doing is further solidifying head knowledge and moving away from relationship with jesus we go through circumstances and wonder why we can't seem to hear the voice of the lord we try to pray and can't last for then a few minutes of vain repetition because we've lost the relationship hallelujah 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 i'm done And that's all we got because that's all we actually have. We can talk the talk, but when it comes to walking the walk, we fall short. Galatians 5 talks about the war that we have between the flesh and the spirit. And it shows us what the results are for those who walk after the flesh and those who walk after the spirit. Verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Dying daily, praying without ceasing, putting on the whole armor of God. Verse 17 says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the spirit, You are not under the law. The spirit and the flesh cannot commune together. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how well spoken you are. I don't care how cool you look. I don't care how big your Bible is. The spirit and the flesh cannot commune together. One person cannot fulfill the lusts of the flesh and still be led by the spirit Scripture says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And let me tell somebody, we have too many fake Christians. We have too many people that walk but don't talk, that talk but don't walk because you can't have one and not have the other. Too much head knowledge, not enough relationship. Too much reading, not enough living. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And here they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. It doesn't end. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not, somebody say that with me, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a big list. And nobody, nobody wants to raise their hand and admit that they might have fallen under one of these things. But I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I can recognize a time whenever I was falling under these things. I can recognize a time whenever I was led by my flesh. I can recognize a time when I had no spiritual relationship. I had a lot of head knowledge. I knew how to talk the talk. But when it came to walking the walk, all of these things became evident. When we walk after the flesh and are not full of the spirit on a daily basis, these things will make themselves evident in your life. It's unavoidable. When we live a life that is not consistently full of the spirit, then they manifest themselves. Can anybody think of a time? Let the Lord work on your heart right now pastor said not too long ago, when he preaches, he preaches to himself. I'm preaching to myself and I want to be very transparent about that. This is a hard sermon for me to preach. God gave me this thought and I struggled with how in the world am I going to preach this? Every single one of us deals with undealt with flesh. Every single one of us can think of a time that we felt far from God and we we didn't really understand why. Why are we falling into sin? Why am I struggling with perverse thoughts? Why do I find myself consistently being drawn to the unclean thing, the thing that I know is sinful, the thing that I know I shouldn't partake in? Why do I find myself constantly lying? Why do I find myself cheating? Why do I find myself, let's go back to the list, fornicating? Why do I find myself committing adultery? Why do I find myself Having idols in my life. Why do I find myself hating people? Why do I find myself being contentious? Constantly starting arguments. Constantly searching for something to argue with somebody about. Why am I jealous? Why do I have anger issues? Outbursts of wrath? Why can't I find any self-control? It's the undealt with flesh. You wake up every morning, you try to read your Bible, and you close it and go back to sleep because there's undealt with flesh. You want to witness to somebody, you want to disciple somebody, but you don't think that you're quite ready. Let me tell somebody here, you're ready. It's just the undealt with flesh. It's the flesh that we haven't put on the altar yet. It's the flesh that still remains in our hearts. And no matter how much we try to suppress it, it finds a way to resurface. Paul refers to these sins as the sins that so easily beset us. It's the things that we don't acknowledge and deal with. And they end up dragging us away from our relationship with God. The flesh manifests itself in the things that we just listed. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Mm. I don't know who I'm talking to, and I'm making it very broad. But there is undealt with flesh in our lives. And I feel led right now to pray that God would reveal the things. In the Old Testament, it talks about the unclean or the accursed thing that entered into the camp of Israel and it ruined the entire camp. The whole nation suffered because of the one thing That the man hid under his tent. That was cursed by God. And the flesh works in the same way. When you bring. Undealt with flesh. Into the church. It affects the entire thing. A little leaven. Leaveneth the whole lump. Jesus right now. I pray that you would reveal the things. That you would reveal the flesh. In our life God. It may not have made itself evident yet, but we feel far from you, Lord. We desire to be close to you, Jesus. When you move, God, I want to move. When you speak, God, I want to listen. And if I can't hear your voice, there's something blocking it, and I want that removed. If I'm struggling to hear your voice, remove whatever it is that's blocking your voice from speaking to me, God. Lord, remove the flesh so I can walk according to the path that you've laid out for me, Jesus. You have a promise for me. I can see it, but I can't get it because the flesh is holding me back. And the reason, the reason that sometimes flesh isn't dealt with, it's purely pride. Pride. And we get caught up in ourselves. It's the head knowledge I was talking about. We get caught up in ourselves. We think we have it all together. And then we don't deal with the flesh. This is the condemnation that Romans is talking about. It's more than just feeling guilty. It's literally a sentence to death by sin. But thankfully, we serve a God who is merciful, who is just, who forgives, who is faithful. The process of returning to a relationship with God, it's a matter of discipline and commitment. Returning to a relationship when you have flesh that's not dealt with you actually don't have a real relationship with God. And I hate to break it to you. Because we can come to church, and we can feel, and we can move, and we can jump, but when there's flesh that's still undealt with, there is a level of relationship that you do not have with the Almighty. And he's not keeping it from you. But we keep it from ourselves by not putting the flesh on the altar, by not carving it away and placing it on the altar to be burned, not to return, not to be shoved to the side, to pop up and resurface later. This discipline of returning to relationship is accompanied with a feeling that we can often associate with condemnation. It's called conviction. Conviction is a God-given warning, a reminder of the state of your life and the consequence of your decision. But there's a huge difference between condemnation and conviction. It's a fine line, but it's a big difference. Condemnation pushes you to the back of the church while conviction brings you to the altar condemnation largens the gap between you and god while conviction pulls you closer to his heart condemnation leaves you depressed, leaves you empty, leaves you feeling unwanted, leaves you feeling like there's no one there for you, leaving you feeling unloved, while conviction allows you to recognize the state of your life, allows you to recognize the mistakes, allows you to recognize the flesh, and conviction brings you to the altar to carve away the flesh. Never, never, never let your conviction die. The Bible calls this the searing of our conscience. We harden our hearts so much that we no longer feel bad or convicted when we sin or we drift away from God. We get so far that we don't even recognize that we're as far as we are. And then God speaks to people like me and offers a reminder, a sign that's flashing, warning, you've gone too far. You've got to turn back. You feel fine. You feel okay. But also, you feel far from God. You have it all together. You've got a good job. Financially stable. But you're just barely making it. Warning. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh. But according to the spirit. So while there is no condemnation, there is conviction. So we've already talked about condemnation. When you're far from God, when you've drifted so far, that is when you feel condemnation because you are walking in the flesh. We've established that. You know what it means to walk in the flesh. You know what the warning signs are. Walking in the flesh produces the things that we talked about. If you can pinpoint those things, you can recognize that you are too far from God. Too far from God. And now we're going to talk about those who walk in the spirit. And you feel conviction. I pray I never lose my convictions. My convictions are the very thing that make up who I am. My convictions make up my relationship with God. I'm sure you've heard it. The analogy of relationships, uh, human relationships to our relationship with God. The covenant that you make in marriage. Till death do us part in sickness and in health. It's so interesting. In sickness and in health are said in the vows. But is that literally the only thing? When you get married, I'm not married, but I'm sure those who are married can correct me if I'm wrong. When you get married, there is a myriad of other things that come about in your relationship other than sickness and health, rich and poor. Oh, there's little things. There's little things that they don't seem consequential. They don't seem important, but man, they're so important to the other person. And so what do we do? Because the relationship is so important to us, we say, okay, I love you, so okay. That's the conviction. When you have a relationship with God, you want to do everything in your power to please him. I pray I hold fast to the foundation of the word. I pray I can always feel the promptings and I follow the promptings of the spirit. I pray that I would remain vigilant in the refilling of the spirit every single day. Because when I am refilled with the spirit every single day, other things make themselves evident in my life just like when you walk in the flesh verse 22 says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited in provoking one another to envy If you are walking and living in the spirit, these are the things that follow. Just like when you're walking in the flesh, you have two sides of the coin. So it's important in your day-to-day life, what attributes are you exhibiting? And it may come up in very small behavioral, uh, very small behaviors, I know whenever I was younger, I dealt with anger. I was a teenager and I got very angry. I got very angry. And I remember looking back when I became a young adult, I remember looking back and being so embarrassed. Wrath. One of the signs that you are walking in the flesh. When we are full of the Spirit, we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Hebrews 6, and I'm closing up here. Hebrews 6 talks about the hardening of our hearts. And I remember a time I was very far from God, and I read this verse, and it scared me to death. And I'm paraphrasing, but in essence what the verse says is when you have tasted and seen of the goodness of God, later on it says, and you have also put his name to an open shame that it is impossible for you to come unto repentance. There is a point in our life that when we stray so far from God and we have continued to walk in the flesh and we have continued to abide our flesh and we have continued to acknowledge our flesh, that your heart becomes so hardened that you no longer seek repentance And you no longer desire forgiveness. And it's nothing that God has done, but it's the progression of walking in the flesh. It says it's impossible for you to come unto repentance, and your end is to be burned. And I remember reading that verse and weeping because I didn't desire forgiveness. I would go to church, God would be moving, people would be crying in the altars, and I would be sitting in the pew, watching. On the outside, people would look at me and say, oh, he's he's clapping. He lifted his hands once or twice, and then I would leave, and I would walk in the flesh, and I would do the things of the flesh. I would find myself falling into sin. And at that point in time, I didn't even acknowledge it as sin because I was so deep in the flesh that my heart had become so hardened and my conscience had become so seared that even the most obvious sin was no longer sin. And it looks different for every single one of us. It's more obvious for some And for others, it's not in your face. It's not very obvious. It may come down to just the time you spend doing certain things, the time you spend on media, the time you spend hanging out with certain people, the time you spend on your phones. The time you don't spend in your word. The time you don't spend in prayer. And it could be more severe things. Falling back into old lustful ways. Lying, cheating. Anger, hatred, jealousy. But until the flesh is dealt with. you will never see revival or a breakthrough in your life. Until the flesh is dealt with, you will always have a mediocre relationship with God. And there will be a point in time where you'll look back and wonder what you're even doing and you will walk away from the truth that you know And I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen it happen to friends. I've seen it happen to family. Because of a heart issue, flesh that has not been dealt with, the very thing that they gave their entire life to at one point becomes nothing because it's not important. It's not priority. Flesh becomes priority. And until you carve it out of your life, Until you get rid of the things that are keeping you from the promises of God. I fully believe what God told me. Antioch is on the precipice of a very serious and very strong revival. And if you know what a revival is, it's not whenever new people come in. It's whenever the church experiences an awakening like they've never experienced before. Revival isn't a new soul knowing who God is. Revival is an old soul recognizing that God is. I pray right now that we could experience a reviving of our hearts, a reviving of our minds, a reviving of the relationship take me back god to whenever i first knew you to whenever i first was at the altar and i gave my life to you jesus when you first infilled filled me with the holy ghost god i pray that i would continuously be filled with your spirit that i would never walk on empty that i would never rely on head knowledge But I would continuously be filled. But I would continuously stay full. God, I can't walk on empty. I can't live on empty. I don't want to look back and wonder why I'm doing what I'm doing. God, restore the convictions, Jesus. Restore the convictions that we once held so true. The very things that brought us to you, God. Restore our relationship with you, God. I
1: can't be effective in the kingdom. I can't be effective for you, God, if the flesh is in the way. I'll never know you like I can know you if flesh is in the way.
0: I pray someone finds an altar right now and makes a commitment let this moment be a catalyst that propels us into revival let this moment be the moment that you can look back and say that's when i gave my life to christ that's when i redid my vows to jesus that's when i said god i want to follow you i want to know you i want to be full of your spirit i want to be full every single day Yeah. Came and me. Psalms 51 16 through 17 For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it You do not delight in burnt offering the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken <laughs> and a contrite heart these oh God you will not despise a broken spirit and a contrite heart they're going to continue to sing but I want to encourage you for the next few moments to shove aside your own desires to break your spirit to turn your heart towards God and you may feel you have it together and this message wasn't for you well, then if it's not for you, direct yourself towards someone that it is for. Because I feel that every single person in this place needs to find an altar where they are. And needs to cry out for a closer relationship with Jesus. Jesus. have any music i want to encourage everyone to find an altar in this moment and let your praises and your prayers rise to heaven let them rise up as an offering to god so he can hear and he can answer in jesus Oh, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the attack of the enemy over your life right now. I rebuke the hand that Satan has over your heart. I rebuke the distractions and the grip that he has over your mind. In Jesus' name, I loose angels in this place. In Jesus' name. God, I pray your spirit to sweep into this place and give us peace. Give us comfort. Lead our footsteps, O Lord. Guide us, O Jesus, on the path that is right, O God.
1: Oh, Lord, yes, so <speaking in Hebrew> Oh, Shaya Rabakaya. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh.